0: Okay, good. All right. Well, this morning I want to bring a word called shift. And this morning, this word is really something that I believe is timely. Um, I believe it's going to do a couple of things. It's going to actually meet us where we're at. Uh, And that's what God's all about. Jesus is all about meeting us where we're at. I believe the word is designed to do that, meet us where we're at, and to uh, encourage us, but also to grab a hold of our heart and then to pull us to where God actually wants us to be. We had a great men's event yesterday with Pastor Andrew Magruder from C3 Church. He brought an amazing word on crossing over. And he was talking about how Jesus is always, when he preached the word of God, Jesus wanted a response from the people. He didn't just teach for teaching's sake, but he taught the Word of God to people. He brought analogies, he brought examples, because he wanted to see the people actually cross over from where they were before he started to bring the Word, and actually make a decision to change, to grab a hold of the Word, and to respond to it. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, again, wants to encourage us this morning to have an open heart, have an open ear, have an open mind, and to really believe that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is on the Word of God, to bring change, to bring transformation, to make a difference, and so I want to encourage you to respond by your heart and be open for the Holy Spirit to touch you and to speak to you this morning as we bring this word called shift. And now this morning, I wanted to first define shift just uh, from a, a basic foundational point of view. Shift can mean different things, but to move or to cause something or someone to move to a different place, that's what a shift can mean. So we're talking about position there. It can change your position. When God wants to change the position of your heart, He might want to change the position of your mind. He might want to change the position uh, of you geographically. He might want to change the position of where you are in your workplace. He might want to change the position of how you're relating to family. He might want to change the position of different things in your life. But we're talking about a shift. Today, this word is not just about a spiritual shift, but it's also about practical shift as well. And uh, it's timely because we, as a church family, are about to shift. We're about to shift from this building to another building. It is a shift in season. It is a shift in our capacity. It's a shift uh, for us to be able to do a lot of things that we've been not able to do as a church community because we haven't had a full-on seven-day-a-week, 24-hour permanent location. And so it is a corporate shift for us as well. But shift also means to change or to cause something to change to a different opinion or belief. I believe that God is wanting to shift some thinking today, what I call stinking thinking to good mind of Christ alignment thinking. Amen. Uh, To go or to cause something to go from one person or thing to another. So actually, what I'm talking about here is shifting from the flesh, shifting from carnal habits that have been limiting people into spiritual disciplines. Uh, That's another thing. Going from the flesh to actually partnering more closely with the Holy Spirit. And so shift is the word of the now ...for this word this morning. And so I wanted to start with what is a Kairos time? I preached a little bit before or taught a little bit on the Kairos time... But the Kairos time is referring to Ecclesiastes in the Bible, another book of wisdom uh, written by King Solomon, talking about the timings and seasons and understanding that there's really nothing new under the sun. The cycles that people go through are repeatedly as human beings, whether it was Adam and Eve's day, even right to today, there's nothing new under the sun. The same stuff that you and I struggle with and, ch- and ch- challenge with is the same stuff that they were struggling with years and years ago. And so in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, it says, to every thing there is a season a time for every purpose under heaven so understanding the categories of seasons that we come into is crucial and there's two key words here that define different types of seasonal time or timings in God you know we talk a lot about the will of God the timing of God the seasons of God and so there are two basic types of time in the bible the first is called chronos time everyone say chronos And the second type of time is called kairos time. Everyone say kairos, kronos, kairos. Now, kronos, this is a time as we know it. It's the ticking the clock time. It's the standard time as the minutes go by, the hours go by, the days go by, the weeks go by, the months go by. Kronos time is the time now. It's the ever-moving forward time. Unless someone's found out a secret that I haven't heard of yet, we've never learned how to go back in time yet. We've never necessarily learned to go forward in time in the natural realm. So in the natural realm, we are bound by these things called time or by time itself, chronos time. Chronos time is also defined as a space or succession of time, a continuing of time, a forward process. And so time is clicking by. And then there is this second type of time that the Bible talks about. A time that's more related to the supernatural realm. That's more related to the specific timing of God. For his plan and purpose to come into Kronos time and to create a moment of Kairos time within the Kronos time. Kairos time is a specific moment of God's divine intervention in our everyday lives. Who thinks that Kairos time sounds exciting? God enters into Kronos time with a door of opportunity known as a Kairos moment. And so Kairos time is also defined as the due season, a short while, God opportunities, open doors, the right time, the chosen time, the now time, the word in season, the prophetic promise manifesting, all of these great things that we learn in the body of Christ of how we could express the wonderful thing about God actually entering our time and giving us a moment to say you know what he cares and he delivers on his promise the kairos time who here would like to see more examples of kairos time happen in your world come on now only two of you lifted your hand okay good okay you're hungry to see that happen all right good well I wanted to say to you today and I've said this a couple of pockets of time in our church right now as a community as a church community this is a kairos time for us this is a time where God has intervened and is bringing, has opened a door for us to step into a new season. Now we hear the word, oh, it's a new season, it's a new day. We sing about it all the time. I mean, every day is a new day in Jesus, every day is a new season in Christ, right? But I'm talking about specifically, uh, this is a kairos moment for us. And so I want us to be prepared for that shift because a kairos moment means that we're shifting from one season to another, not just it's a new day the lord has made be glad and rejoice in it that it's actually a strategic shift not just that it's just monday shifting to tuesday and tuesday shifting to wednesday it is a strategic shift and so we have to be ready and prepared for it and so there's a couple of things that i want to talk about the benefits of a shift and then i want to talk about the importance around how we think and we deal with a shift in our life to prepare us but also to actually fully step into it so first of all the benefits of a shift 2015 If you look at this year so far, it's been a whole year of shift. I mean, we preached right at the beginning, prophetically over the new year, that this was a season of open doors. I've heard so many testimonies of shifts happening in people's lives, financially, spiritually. We're getting great feedback on people are really growing in this season. They feel like they're getting their mouth around the Word of God and chewing on it like never before. Um, So many people have had positive feedback and testimonies of where they're at and they're shifting and, and things are moving, which is great. But when we understand that we're in a kairos time, we want to know why should we fully commit to that and why should we fully embrace that? Because there are clear benefits. And the Bible talks about this. There's positive change that comes from being involved in a kairos moment shift. And I want to refer to Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 20. And this is actually talking about where Jesus is directly saying to the disciples, follow me, it's a kairos shift. It's a moment in time where Jesus is directly intervening and saying, now it's time. Now it's time. Everyone say, now it's time. Now. So in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 20, it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. Now, casting the net in the sea, who knows that they were fishermen? Who knows that they've been fishermen for seasons and seasons and seasons. So they were just doing their own thing in their Kronos moment. It's the same day. I'm going to fish tomorrow. I fished yesterday. I'm just throwing out the net, see what happens. They were just going by their day-to-day Kronos life, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So imagine, you know how life sometimes can be a little bit mundane. You get up, you have breakfast, you might go to the bathroom, you have a shower, you put on your deodorant, whatever order that is, it may be different for you. You get ready for work, you get in the car, you go to work. So they're like getting in the fishing boat, going out, casting the net, blah, 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 Kronos time. Then Jesus, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Right there, just by opening his mouth and directly going (laughs) with that call, that was a Kairos moment right there in their Chronos time. Does everyone get that? See, what's key about a Kairos time is that the key thing that will actually open it up and start it and get you to understand it is that God will be speaking to you directly in different ways. He might be speaking to you around What's going on? The circumstances that are shifting. Uh, there's things, cues, and clues that you're picking up. You might be hearing it through your prayer time. You might be sensing it in worship. You might be sensing it in your life group, whatever it is. You might be getting it through your time with the Word. You might be getting it in during all different times in what you're doing. Even I know Apostle Greg does this all the time. Amazes me. I mean, God speaks to him through nature. He's out and about, and there's like you know something there, and God just speaks to him. And, you know, he runs a lot, so he's out in nature a lot. But there's different ways in which God will speak to you directly to get your attention and say, hey, this is a Kairos moment. I want you to kind of come on board, get ready to prepare, get ready to shift. This was their Kairos moment. And Jesus spoke to them directly. Follow me and I will make you fish as a man. You're about to actually stop focusing on what you're doing. You're going to shift into a whole new focus and it's going to change your identity and it's going to help to actually take you to that next level. In a way, that's kind of what he's saying to you and I right now. Because this Kairos moment seasonally may be happening at a corporate level, but even right back to the beginning of January when I brought that prophetic word that this was a season of open doors, I want to send a supercharged, refreshing kind of word into your heart right now. I'm telling you, this is a Kairos moment. This is a Kairos season for you. God is wanting to let you know that he can intervene and he can bring a shift when you've been crying out maybe for months, maybe for weeks, even maybe for a year, God is interested in bringing a shift for you. Follow me and I will make you fish as men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. They didn't go, oh. oh, I'll think about it. Hmm. I might go and Google you, Jesus, and see what you're all about and get back to you. Jesus, can you send me a quote of proposal for me to chew on and I'll touch base with mom and dad and see what they think? No. They knew it. They knew it was the right time. Who's ever had an experience in life where you just know that you know that you know that this is the right time? Who's sometimes not quite sure, but you kind of felt maybe it's the right time, but mm, not quite sure? Who's ever experienced that before? Okay. Both can happen. But be encouraged through the word this morning that this is a Kairos season. And so, let's have a look here at Peter, who actually recognized the Kairos moment. And he was called to follow Jesus. And he stepped into this moment of change, this moment of shift. And we're going to look at actually what the challenges were for him. But they were good challenges. Everyone say, good challenges. You can even sing it to me. Someone say, sing it to me. Good Ooh, yay, that's good. Jace, we've got some more singers out there somewhere. Okay, when, when Peter responded to the Kairos moment, knowing that this was a word and he had to actually know he's stepping into something brand new, a shift, his faith was challenged. So by stepping out of a storm-battered boat to walk on water, and that's what happened. After this happened, then he went into a whole new season. where hanging out with Jesus, meant He had to do things that really challenged his faith. Going into a new building will challenge us, our faith corporately. You actually believing for that shift in your life will challenge your faith. But it's a good thing. I'll tell you why. Let's have a look at this example of Peter. Peter was in a situation where he's in a boat and Jesus says, now step out and follow me and walk on water. Now we know that it didn't all perfectly go to plan, but Jesus was there to help him out where he kind of muddled a little bit. So the good news is when we step out, God will help us. But what's interesting is that Peter learned a valuable lesson. He learned through Jesus' example that as he stepped out, he could actually take authority of the circumstances. So where his faith was challenged, Peter learned that by overcoming that faith challenge, by positioning himself in that Kairos season, his faith was challenged, but the benefit of allowing himself to be positioned to have his faith challenge meant that he now had the authority over the same elements that actually caused others to be afraid. He now, by stepping out, of that boat and actually having a go knowing that this is the right time because I'm called to follow this amazing man called Jesus. It makes me feel uncomfortable but this is the right time for me. I'm going to step out. It actually helped him. His faith challenge helped to birth within him an authority over certain elements that usually hinder other people all the time and had previously hindered himself. Can I tell you that when you actually position yourself for a shift it will stretch, it will challenge your faith but by actually stepping out and having your faith challenge it will burst something within you that will give you greater authority over the circumstances that previously have always hindered or shaken your world who knows that even though that's a challenge it's a good challenge to go through secondly his feelings were challenged you know those lovely things called feelings oh they're so warm sometimes those feelings and sometimes they really suck don't they? So one minute, 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 minute. <laughs> minute. I've been saying that too much to Pastor Daddy. I think I'm just coming out every time I say minute. I'm testing myself. Minute, So one minute, Peter was proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God. So as he said, yes, I'll follow you, Jesus. Now his feelings are challenged in this Kairos moment saying, hey, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to step out. Because there's clear examples in the Bible where Peter is one moment going, "Oh Jesus, we love you, we worship you." Oh Jesus is the Son of God. One minute Peter is proclaiming Jesus the Son of God, and next minute he is getting rebuked by Jesus. The guy that has been telling everyone how great he is. You know those moments. Oh, Jesus, we love you, we love you. No, 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 get back. Get back from Jesus. He's, got, he's too busy. Get back. Oh, we love you. No, no, get back from Jesus. Get back. And Jesus is going, get behind me. Get behind me, Satan. Think about it. There are times in your life people are hanging around you, people that God's positioned around you in your kairos moment, in the season of shift. You know that there's something about hanging out with these people, community, building community with these people. Spending time with these people, being encouraged by these people, and worshipping God. And sometimes you're all it's all happy, it's all lovey, it's all community, we're just so close, we're so connected, I'm being encouraged, I'm so loved. Neck (laughs) minute. Really? I can't believe that they just said that. What are they trying to mean by that? Like seriously, I'm really offended. Really, I was feeling really good feelings about them, and now I'm really not feeling good feelings about them. I don't know if this is supposed to be God's will anymore, because if it was God's will, I'd be feeling good, wouldn't I? Not like this. Remember, I talk about balance a lot. Jesus rebuke people. He put them in their place. We love worshiping Jesus. The Jesus of love. The Jesus of grace. He's an amazing God. But sometimes he put people in their place. He challenged their feelings. He rebuked them. Now not that we have a culture here we just go around rebuking people. (laughs) We call it challenging people. (laughs) It's always got to be in love. But can I tell you, when you're in a Kairos season, usually when God's wanting to bring a shift in your life, there's going to have to be stuff in you that's going to have to be challenged. Maybe the way that you do things, the way you think about things, the way that you interact with people. Because something within you has to develop and grow to make you effective in this new season of growth and expansion and opportunity for you. This is where the bait of Satan is offense. Because when Satan can get you to be so offended by the icky feeling that you're feeling because you got challenged by someone or something or, you know, someone said something the wrong way. And really God's saying, hey, this is a Kairos moment for you to forgive and to learn how to forgive and to get over it and have grace and to move on and restore and repair relationships. And so his feelings were challenged. So by overcoming the feelings challenge, Peter learned to swallow his pride and discern God's will over his personal opinions. It's a good challenge. Third, his traditions and prejudices were challenged. So when Peter followed Jesus into Samaria, traditionally, Samaria was a place that Jewish people did not go. And like, so, well, I'm Jewish. I don't go there. It's Samaria, please. And yet Jesus went into Samaria and asked his disciples to just follow him into that place. So Peter overcame the traditions and prejudice challenge. Peter developed an inclusive spirit. Everyone say inclusive. Which empowered him to no longer exclude people because of traditional rituals or prejudice attitudes. I'm going to stand on the stage here for this one. Why? Because I really want to make sure this point hits people's hearts. Our church, like many churches, this is a kingdom church. This is not a church just for Caucasians. Amen. This is not a church just for Asians. This is not a church just for Islanders. This is not a church. And I could stand here listing all different things. This is not a church just for business people. This is not a church just for women. This is not a church just for men. This is not a church just for young adults. This is not a church just for youth. This is not a church just for 60 plus. This is not a church just for surfers. It's not a church just for tennis lovers. And so on, and so on, and so on. So, if any, there was any, because we're in a shift right now. And I want to make sure when we shift, as in physically shift in three weeks' time, as in also spiritually, we're shifting. I want to make everyone clear we are a kingdom church. We're not defined by a particular culture or a particular food or a particular way of doing life. We're kingdom. Does that make sense? Can I hear a big amen to that? So if there's been any confusion from anyone, you don't need to be confused anymore. No excuses. No more excuses. I've said it from here, standing up here. We are a kingdom church. I want to see more Asians in our church. Hint, hint, we're going to be slightly closer to Sunnybank than we are now. I love Asians. I do. Asians are great people. I really, really want more Asians in our church. I love Asian people. And I think it's important because we're an Asia-Pacific located church and we've got a calling to touch the nations. I love Islander people. They are and will continue to be an amazing blessing to this church. I love Caucasian people. And if there's anyone here... I love Romanians! (laughs) Seriously, right? The kingdom is a buffet of so many flavors. The God that we worship created all of us equally. But He's a God of creativity. So He doesn't just want one kind of food on the buffet. He wants all different flavors. Amen. Good. So, sometimes... In this church, because we're called to be a church of different flavors and cultures and coming from different backgrounds and experiences and education and life, because we are birthing and building a church that's kingdom, we will see people from all different walks of life come in. And so we'll be challenged with our traditions and our prejudices and our things that sometimes we like it this way and they like it that way. And, and so we need to understand that as a person of shift you've got to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to make you fluid as in move okay don't have a set thinking about how things have to be because if you don't make that shift you become an, a person of exclusivity you start to have a philosophy in life that your world is exclusive to this type of person's world and that is not healthy spiritually or practically amen and that's the last time I'm going to get you to say amen until right at the end. Okay, amen? <laughs> Number four. His humility was challenged. When the Son of God, the light of the world, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, lowered himself to the point of actually washing Peter's feet, Peter's humility was challenged. Because it helped Peter to learn this in the shift, that he was never too important to serve. And in this new season, it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter how far we've come. No one is ever too important to serve. That's important for what God's doing in this time. And this is not just about a church thing. This is about our life. This is about God's what's, what's doing. Can I tell you that uh, recently when I was in Kuala Lumpur for business? The reason why God opened the door for me is because I just obeyed him about something where he said, lower yourself, humble yourself, and do this type of a servant thing for a client, something that traditionally I'd farmed off to someone else to do because, you know, well, I've, I've done that. And God said to me, you know what? Do this. Don't farm it off to someone else. Let them know that you're willing to do the little things, even though you've done that for years and farmed it off for years. Humble yourself and just let them know you actually really care about bringing breakthrough for them. So I did it. I obeyed the Lord. It challenged my thinking because I'd set up a system and business where I didn't want to have to do that so I could work on doing other strategic things, which is a place of wisdom. But again, being open to the Lord and saying, you know what? Okay, I'm going to do this. That was the reason why I got that opportunity in Kuala Lumpur. Because they thought, you know what? We've spoken to this corporate guy, this corporate guy, this corporate guy. And they all came across that they were just too big to do some of the little things that were really important to us. But you were willing to do those things. And that's why we knew you were the right person. When it comes to the kingdom, when it comes to church life, when it comes to family life, when it comes to whatever sphere of life, when you're in a Kairos moment, can I encourage you that sometimes it's the little things. It's the little things that maybe we've been dropping the ball on that God will say, hey, be faithful with those little things, because that's a key to making this shift a successful one. Because God, when he brings a shift, he's literally promoting you. But in the journey of that promotion, he wants to see spiritually and in a mature way, are you willing to step up by also having enough humility to know that you'll still be willing to step back down and do the little things. There's always a test in a season of promotion, And so there are the four benefits that we get, also four challenges, but four benefits that we get from understanding when we embrace a season of shift. Now, right now, in my message, I want to shift to something else. I want to shift within the shift. And I want to talk about shifting stinking thinking. I've preached many times on Thought Life, and uh, we did a, a message recently on Mind Games, I think it was late last year. And I want to share this scripture that is one of my favorite personal scriptures in the Bible. And I want to bring a little bit of teaching around this. I want to ask the worship team to be ready because at the end we're going to have a time of worship. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to minister to us at the end. But I want to bring this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 to 6. If you've got your Bibles, your iPads, iPhones, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 to 6. For the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Meaning, disobedience, talking about those thoughts that were disobedient. Okay, actually starting to, when it says punish those thoughts of disobedience, as in starting to actually remove them from your habitual thought life. That's what it's talking about there. Right there, it's talking about how to renew your mind and know that it's a weapon of warfare. Let me share this with you. I believe right now in this season of shift that God is wanting to encourage us to be a people of capacity. And what I believe that God's doing is if you actually... Who knows that right now around the world that a lot of scientists who didn't believe in God are actually starting to believe in God? Did you, did you know that? That's because what they're starting to see is in scientific research that's actually directly relating to the Word of God. I want to talk about your thought life. And I want to talk about in this season of shift, I believe that God has wanted to bring a shift in how we do life through our thought life. In scientific research, it shows that in our brain, there's actually two main processing parts of our brain which generates our thinking. The first part is right here, which is connected to our spinal cord, to all of the sensory areas of our life. And this here is actually called the reptilian part of the brain. Now, the reptilian part of the brain is the reactive part of the brain. It's the part of the brain where usually we either fight or we flight. And usually that part of the brain is very activated in a season or a moment or a thought process of stress, of anxiety, usually around fear. It's the survival place. It's actually the animalistic part of our brain. It's the instinctive part of our brain. It's actually the part of our brain that makes us have some type of DNA relationship with animals. Who knows that we are above animals in God's creation plan? There's another part of our brain which actually wraps around it. Sometimes it's called the cortex, it's got all these other names. But it's actually a very different part of the brain. And that part of the brain is actually the strategic part of our brain, it's the part that's very creative. And it's the part that really gets stimulated when we come into the presence of God, when we worship, when we read the Word of God, when we have an encounter with God. It enables us to dream. It enables us to have vision. It enables us to have faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now watch this. When it comes to our stinking thinking, Romans 12 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Watch this. When I was praying, the Lord challenged me and he said, I want you to share this analogy because it will help to bring breakthrough. And the analogy was this, that many of us have habitually, even though we've had times of thinking in that faith realm, being people of faith, believing God, trusting God, having vision, uh, speaking out things Praying in that place, some of us have lacked the understanding of how to shift from fear to faith. And I believe that God is wanting to teach us that we all are are capable of shifting from fear to faith at a whole new level. And this is the analogy that He wanted me to use. He said, When we're in fear, when we're stressed, when we're anxious, it's actually like we're a zebra in the African plain and we're surrounded by lions. And it's like every line represents every circumstance, every situation, every relational tension, every misunderstanding, every disappointment, every responsibility, everything that we've got to do and people, that people expect of us. is like lines surrounding us and we're a zebra. And when we're in that spirit of fear when we're just living out of that place of the reptilian part of our brain and we're just reactive and we're just kind of more in that kind of a lower sense. We don't actually activate our spirit, but we're living out of that place of the flesh and we're living out of that place of fear. It's like we're a zebra surrounded by lions. And when a zebra is surrounded by lions, there's a couple of things that they usually do to react to that. They either freeze and they have paralysis and they can't move and they can't shift and they can't step into that creative strategy thinking, Thinking, how am I going to get around this? And from a faith level, actually shifting from that place of feeling defeated and feeling down into a place of prayer, into a place of, I'm going, you know what, I'm going to actually strategize with God. I'm going to get creative. I'm going to get in the presence of God. I know I can get out of this stinking thinking. We freeze or we withdraw. We think, I'm just defeated. It's just all too much. I just can't cope with this. Everywhere I look, it's something that wants to attack me, that wants to have a go at me that people misunderstand me. I'm just surrounded. I'm just overwhelmed. I just want to withdraw. I just want to stay home and watch DVDs and eat pizza. I just don't want to have to deal with this. Just be quiet. Don't tell me what... Don't, don't talk to me. I don't want to hear any correction. I don't want to hear anything. I can't take it. It's just, it's, it's just too much. Or like the zebra surrounded by lines. I just need to get away. I just need to escape. I just need to run as far away as I can, as quickly as I can. But guess what? The enemy will continue to hunt you down. Fear. Living in fear. God wants to bring a shift. And God wants you to know that what makes you and I different to animals See, there are two types of animals. There's the prey animal, like the zebra. Things attack it and eat it. Mmm, a zebra. The zebra is a prey animal. And then there's predatory animals. The lion is a predatory animal. It attacks things and eats them. But what God's saying is, is the flesh and the spirit, you and I are both prey beasts. We can be attacked if we allow ourselves to be positioned there. allow the enemy to overcome us and allow him to take that false authority that he takes sometimes in your life by controlling you by fear and making you stressed and making you feel so overwhelmed that you feel like you don't have enough energy to step out of that place into the place of prayer breakthrough creativity and partnership with the holy spirit and god's saying that we actually have two places we can be the prey animal Life is overwhelming. I'm defeated. I'm defeated. I'm I'm not renewing my mind. Even though I worship Jesus, my thinking is not aligned to the truth of God. I'm defeated by the lies of the enemy. I'm defeated by feeling like I'm just surrounded and I can't get out of this. But we're also, we can choose to be predatory. Not that we're actually going to kill people, but that we're people of victory. And that there is a roar of the Lion of Judah on the inside of us. And so rather than feeling like we're a zebra surrounded by lions and we're paralyzed paralyzed, or we withdraw or we want to run away, God says, shift, shift, shift your thinking. God says, shift from this part of the place and actually start to call on the Holy Spirit and surround yourself with the presence of God. Get into the Word. Start to use your mouth as a two-edged sword to speak the Word of God. And God says, as you start to strategize with Him, you literally shift your thinking to being a zebra, surrounded by lions, to being a lion, surrounded by zebras, saying, I'm going to take you down. I'm going to take you on. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you, circumstance. I'm going to beat you, depression. I'm going to beat you, limiting thing in my life. I'm going to take you down. Ra. God says right now in this place there are people here and for years you've mainly felt like a zebra even though you've worshipped Jesus faithfully. But God's saying that this is a Kairos moment right now. And where maybe you've thought that you can't choose to transition from being or thinking or seeing yourself as a zebra to being a lie. God says, that's a lie in itself. You can choose. You can choose. You can partner with God. And watch this. The ironic thing is that when you step into this place of victory in your mindset, even though the circumstances haven't shifted and there's all those zebras around, it's the perception that I am a person of victory, and even though I don't feel like it right now, if I plug into God, something will shift on the inside of me where I will start to have that roar of the lion on the inside. And I will actually look at this circumstance as a zebra and I'm going to take it down. And sometimes like a lion that's by itself. It will take down the smallest zebra first and it will consume it and feed on it. And that actually will make it stronger and think, you know, woohoo! I can do this. I'm going to take down the next zebra. It might be a little bit bigger this time. I took down the small thing. I dealt with that small thing first and now I'm not going to get victory over this one. I'm going to attack that, that one. I'm going to bring it down. I'm going to defeat it. I'm going to consume it. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to make that circumstance and that hindrance and that defeated thing something of a sign of victory that's going to nurture me and tell me that by faith with God, I can, nothing is impossible and I'm going to let that nurture me and energize me and I'm going to take on the next thing I'm going to take it down as well and who knows that you are called not to be isolated by yourself in the kingdom of God but you are called to be a member of a community you are called to be a member of a pride of the line of Judah and so that way when you hunt and you deal with things in your life it's not just by yourself but you're hunting with a pride and that way sometimes when you're lying low in the grass and you see all these things that you need to take on You can talk to the other line next to you, your brother or sister in Christ, your life group person, your pastor. What's the strategy here? Help me. What do you think? If I take it to the right, if I take it down from the left, what would be the best way? What did you learn last time when you did the hunt, when you took that thing down? You're not called to be a person of victory by yourself. Shift your thinking. Shift your thinking, church. Shift your thinking. I want to tell you that the enemy, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, He does not have one creative power in him whatsoever. He is a fallen angel. And the Bible teaches that no angel in itself, whether it's fallen or non-fallen, has creative power. The only thing in all of creation that has creative power is God himself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and human beings. And what that means is when you shift from that place of defeat to that place of victory and you partner with God, you can use your mouth to actually shift atmospheres by speaking the word of God in faith that's not coming from that fear zone of your brain but that's coming from that faith realm and you're using the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. That's the the lion. Inside of you to partner with God. Can I tell you that when I was looking at this word, God wanted to remind us about that ruah word that was early this year, that the roar of the lion, the roar of the lion, when the lion actually roars in Africa, it sends messages to other things, particularly other Rome. Rove uh, lions, that this is my land, this is my family, the enemy must flee. Can I tell you when you shift from being a zebra to being a lion that you're literally stepping from defeat into victory and it's all about shifting on, I'm going to get you to stand in this place.